Well, good morning and welcome to Warehouse Church. It's so good to have you this morning online on our snow day edition of worship. We're so grateful that you're joining us and you're worshiping with us today. And if you are a guest with us this morning, we are so excited to have you with us this morning. And uh, so we hope that you are comfortable, we hope that you're staying warm, and that you're uh, ready for an amazing morning of worship and an amazing morning of jumping into God's Word together. And you know, the reason that Warehouse Church exists is so that more people can experience transforming relationships through Jesus. And, And like Jesus, we don't care about your past, we just care about your future. And so two weeks ago, we launched this new sermon series called Unleashed. And we've been looking at four habits uh, that we feel like we need to embrace if we are going to unleash a radical kind of faith. And uh, in week one, we said that the first thing that we must do is that we must pursue Jesus. And let me just remind you that the most important thing that we can do as followers of Jesus is pursue Jesus. And, And then last week, we looked at the second habit which was that of to live the transformed life. And we dived into 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and we discovered together five characteristics of a transformed life. And we talked about how important it is for us to engage in warehouse groups because we believe that transformation happens in circles, not in rows. And so I want to encourage you, I want to, I want to beg you to join us on Wednesday, January 26th for our Warehouse Group's kickoff party. You can sign up today by texting GROW, the word GROW, G-R-O-W, to 606-268-4886. So we hope that you'll take the effort and you'll, you'll be intentional about joining one of our amazing Warehouse Group's. Now today, we're going to look at our third habit to living the unleashed life, and it is the habit called We Make Disciples. We Make Disciples. You see, church, as we pursue Jesus and as we live a transformed life, we have a calling. We have a, uh, a calling on our lives to make more followers of Jesus. And as we look in the Gospels, as we look in the, in the Word of God, we see that Jesus was the perfect example of a disciple maker. But sadly, in today's church, too many have morphed Jesus' perfect model into a sad imitation of a one-way, uh, I call it an information dump, right? Of scriptural truths and lecturing and pointing our fingers while avoiding the necessity of investing our time and our energy into the lives of people who are in our lives. And so you see Matthew, in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Jesus tells us some really important things and gives us a command or a mission or a commission uh, in each of our lives. And here's what he says, if you want to read along with me, in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. He says this. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
In other words, here's what's happening. Jesus calls all, everybody say all. He calls all of his followers to go and make disciples. And here's the big deal. As Christians, we are not just invited to be disciples of Jesus, but we're also invited to make disciples of Jesus as well. So if we're going to make disciples, well, we kind of need to know what it means. What does it mean to be a disciple? In generic terms, a disciple is someone who adheres to the teaching of someone else. It's a, a follower or a learner, if you will. And if it refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. And so if you want to be an electrician, for example, or maybe you want to be a plumber, you, you have to find a professional plumber or electrician to follow around and to learn from. And, and so you become their apprentice, right? And so when we apply this idea to Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus so that they can live like Jesus. It's someone who, uh, who because of God's grace, conforms his or her words and his or her actions to the words and the actions of Jesus. And so as we read the Gospels and the Bible, as we read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, they give us a great picture of Jesus and his life on earth. And if we really want to know, if you really want to know what it means to be a disciple, then that's probably a place that we should start, looking at these gospels, looking at these writings from these men that followed Jesus, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. As a matter of fact, as we take a closer look, uh, John's gospel gives us a great snapshot of what it means to follow Jesus. Like if you want to know the things that were at the heart of Jesus, if you want to know what, how Jesus lived and how he acted and how he responded to the culture, John's a great place to begin because he reveals to us that a disciple of Jesus is a worshiper, is a servant, and is a witness. So let's look at those a minute. Disciple means worshiper. And so foundational to being a follower of Jesus is this idea of worshiping God exclusively. You see, Jesus is looking for real worshipers, not posers. Jesus is looking for authentic worshipers, not fakes. And so John tells us in his scripture, in his gospel, he tells us what the Father, what God the Father is looking for. If you look at John 4.23, he says this, he says, But an hour is coming and is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, he says, the Father wants such people to worship him. You see, God the Father is not looking for half-time or part-time worshipers. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And you see, the greatest act of all of creation is worshiping God, joyfully reflecting back to God His glory. And nothing, nothing irritates the evil one more than when you and I choose to exclusively 
worship Jesus. It means first and foremost to worship him with joy in our hearts. So a disciple is a worshiper. Secondly, a disciple means servant. John paints another picture in his gospel for us of what a disciple looks like in John chapter 13. As we see Jesus kneeling down before his disciples to wash their feet. As a, as a matter of fact, John's gospel gives us a snapshot of what that looks like. And so it sounds weird for us to think of Jesus as a servant. I mean, that's kind of weird to see Jesus. We call him Lord and Savior, but it's hard to think of him as a servant. And as a matter of fact, it didn't even sound right to Peter uh, either. As Jesus told him, uh, Peter refused for Jesus to wash his feet. And Jesus tells him, if I don't wash your feet, you, have, you will have no part with me. You see, as a servant, Jesus says this to his disciples in John 13, 14 through 15. He says, so if I, your Lord and teacher, if I have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. What does Jesus tell his followers? What does Jesus tell his disciples? He says, listen, you should do the things that I have done. And right now I have just served you. I have washed your feet and you should do the same for one another. So to be a disciple, it means that we willingly serve each other. It means putting the needs of others before our own. It's serving others willfully and joyfully. So being a disciple means we worship God and it means we serve others. And third, being a disciple means we witness. You see, the word disciple also means witness. And again, John gives us another helpful picture or example of what it means to be a disciple. In John chapter 17, verse 21, here's what Jesus tells his followers. He says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. This means that as followers of Jesus, we live our lives on mission. It means that we are really missionaries and Jesus empowers us and equips us and expects us to step into the world as his witnesses. We witness to others. And so, just like Jesus was sent down here with a purpose to reveal God and to rescue sinners, you and I, with the help of the Holy Spirit, have been sent to tell others about Jesus. You see, being a disciple church, it's more than just being nice to people until heaven comes. It means that we passionately seek more worshipers, more servants, and more missionaries. In other words, a disciple of Jesus makes 
more disciples of Jesus. That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 28. And the truth is, making disciples is one of the most basic and obedient things that we can do as followers of Christ. It's so foundational for us to make disciples, but it's also so often ignored. So what does it look like to be a disciple maker? Like this morning, I just want to share with you five practical things or five practical marks of a disciple maker. Five markers that make up the DNA of what a disciple maker looks like. And the first marker of a disciple maker is this, that a disciple maker is a, has a passion to know, love, and become like Jesus. That a disciple maker is passionate about knowing Jesus and loving him and becoming like him. You see, disciple makers are followers of Jesus who have a passion to know him, who love him, and who desire to become like him. They will do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to know Jesus more. And their personal ministry to family and to friends flows out of their time alone with Jesus. It goes back to that first week when we talked about the first thing of unleashing a radical kind of faith is this idea of pursuing Jesus. And just like Jesus, and, and, uh, and, and that's what Paul's attitude was. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, here's what he said. He said, more than that, I also consider everything, everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, Paul says, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I consider them filth, rubbish, garbage, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, a righteousness uh, from God based on faith. Here's what Paul says in verse 10, my goal. He says, my goal is to know him and, to, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. You see, Paul reminds us that one of the greatest things that we can do as a disciple maker is that we can pursue Jesus. It's that, that it's more than just knowing about God. It's knowing him personally and walking with him every day. And so the first mark of a DNA, or the first marker of the DNA of a disciple maker is to know and to love and to desire to be like Jesus. The second one is this, that a, a disciple maker is one who knows and lives from scripture. It's not just someone who reads the Bible. It's someone who knows and lives their lives out of what they're reading and scripture. You see, here's the deal. Disciple makers know the word of God. They know how to read it. They know how to study it. They know how to talk about it. They know how to live it, and they know how to pass it along to others. 
And Paul reminds Timothy of this. In, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, he tells Timothy, he says, Listen, Timothy, all Scripture, all Scripture, everything in this book is inspired by God. And it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So that the man, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped... For every good work. A disciple maker understands the truth and the sufficiency of God's word as a guide for all aspects of life. So a disciple maker knows and lives out of the word of God. Third, a disciple maker pursues biblical community. A disciple maker pursues biblical community. Now, I know I keep saying this, and I will continue to say this. I believe that we are better together. And Jesus created us to walk with him in community with one another. And disciple makers will be intentional to seek and pursue and create community among believers to encourage one another toward love and towards good deeds. Now, I don't just want to talk about that because I think this is so important that I want you to hear firsthand how Warehouse Groups has meant, what Warehouse Groups has meant to one of our very own. So I want you to check out this video right now. Oh, my life, you know, I was kind of somewhat apprehensive about it in the beginning because I'm kind of a person that really don't mix too well, but uh, I decided to give it a shot and uh, one thing I've noticed about uh, being in groups is uh, it gives us the opportunity to uh, get to know other members in our church at a more uh, different level I guess you could say because uh, one hour two hours a day on Sunday you usually don't get the opportunity to uh, really get to know people and with their groups I think we give uh, give us a, a better opportunity to know about them their families, uh, their likes, their dislikes, and uh, really uh, get to see uh, what they're really about. And with s saying that, at the same time, you know, when we talk about the previous Sunday's message and how it applies to their life, I, I think we get a different perspective on it as opposed to just getting the preacher's perspective. We get also the member's uh, perspective on it and how they apply it to their life. And it uh, gives you a uh, little bit more confidence and uh, also a uh, different aspect to look at. And uh, that's one of the more important things that I've uh, really gained out of a, a group is uh, that aspect of seeing other people's lives and seeing how the word uh, impacts them as well as myself. And uh, also just not being able to uh, know that you're not going alone in this life and we grow grow together and uh, and just knowing that other people got things going on in their life just like I do and we're going to make it together. So I love what Sean said there. I love that he said that I love groups because it reminds me that I'm not alone in this. 
and that we can grow together. We can do life together. And so Jesus, like I said, created us to walk with him in community with one another. We need each other. We need each, if we're going to grow in our faith, we can't do it alone. And so uh, I want you to check out with me Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. And the author of Hebrews talks about this. And, and it says this, it says, And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. So the author says that we should be thinking about one another. We should be concerned about one another so that we can encourage one another in love and good works. And verse 25 saying, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging, or but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, Hebrews is saying this. The author of Hebrews is saying that we need each other. We need to be in community with one another so that we can encourage one another on in love and also in good works. But also so that we, we should not neglect being together. So I hope that you'll take some time to sign up for warehouse groups. And, and here's another thing about biblical community. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but this is a big deal. That biblical community, that when people are in community with one another, it draws others who are far from God closer to the Lord. That there's nothing that will work more than if people see that you're in gathering in biblical community and they're going to want to be a part of that. Because here's the reality in our culture today. We live in an isolated culture and the culture is hungry and starving for community. And so when they see biblical community happening, guess what? They, they're drawn to it. They want to be a part of it. So never be afraid to invite someone else who may be far from God. Invite them in your community because they'll learn and they'll also discover the love of God in your community. And so a disciple a maker pursues biblical community. And then the fourth marker of a disciple maker is this, that they live among those who do not follow Jesus. They live among those who do not follow Jesus. You see, disciple makers spend quality time with those who are far from God. Have you ever thought about that? Disciple makers spend quality time with those who are far from God. They are purposeful to love and to serve and to help those who have no understanding of who God is to understand the good news of Jesus. And if you're thinking, but, but Rick, I don't have any friends that aren't believers. You know what I'm going to say to you? I'm going to tell you really quick that you need to get some new friends, that we should all have people in our lives who are not believers. And I mean, look at the life of Jesus. Who did Jesus hang out with? Who were the Pharisees complaining that Jesus was hanging out with? He was hanging out with sinners, with those who were far from God. And so if it was good enough for Jesus, shouldn't it be good enough for us? I mean, you might recognize 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It's, our, it's our, our theme verse for our groups. And here's what Paul says to the church there. He says, we cared so much for you. We cared so much for you that we are pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you have become so dear to us. Listen, church, we've got to come to a place where not only do we care about sharing the gospel with people, 
but we just care about people. That's why we say around here that we are going to love differently because disciple makers love differently by proclaiming and affirming the gospel with both their words, but also with their actions and their lives. You see, disciple makers live, live among those who do not follow Jesus. And so you and I, as disciple makers, we must get in the habit of living our lives with those who are far from God. And the fifth and final marker of a disciple maker is this, that disciple makers think legacy. They think legacy, and which happens to be one of our core values here. Disciple makers are personally involved with helping generations to move closer to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You see, disciple makers think legacy. They personally invest their time, their energy, and their resources in others to grow the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul modeled this for us in his relationship with young Timothy. And he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he says this. He says, Timothy, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, Paul thought legacy. He poured into Timothy. And then he told Timothy, he said, Timothy, I have poured into you. I have, I have invested my time in you, my energy in you, my love into you. I have modeled for you what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And then he tells Timothy, and here's the deal. I want you to do it for someone else. I want you to think legacy. I want you to leave a legacy as I have left one with you. You see, it's intentionally investing the life investing in the life of another so that they may get to know who Jesus is and how he can radically transform their lives forever. I thought about that and I thought, you know, I have had um, many people, I've been blessed to have more than one disciple maker in my life who was thinking legacy. And, and they saw the value of leaving a legacy in me and mentoring me. First, I, I thought about Larry Bartow. And, uh, and Larry, after my dad died when I was 17, Larry stepped into my life and he showed me. He didn't just tell me, but he showed me what it looked like to love Jesus and to love my neighbors with all of my heart and with all of my mind and with all of my soul and with all of my strength. He would, he would invest time in me. It wasn't always convenient, but he would invite me over to his home. He would, let me, he would invite me to dinner. We would have coffee together. He would share books with me. He would share life with me. He showed up at my high school graduation. He showed up at my college graduation. He showed up when I got my master's in divinity at, at that graduation as well. He invested and continues to this day to invest in me and leave a legacy in me. There's a second person, too, that I thought of, uh, Sidney Brock. And Sidney was a, a veteran youth pastor when I was just getting my feet wet and learning what it looked like to be a youth pastor. And Sidney thought legacy and continues to think legacy to this day. And he's always looking for a Timothy, someone in his life that he can pour into. 
And for a season of his life, that was me. And he poured his life into me and he took the time to invest in me and to disciple me as a young, budding youth pastor. Was it always convenient? No. Was it always uh, what he wanted to do? Probably not. But he was always thinking legacy. He was always thinking about who is behind me, who is younger than me that I can raise up to, for the next generation. You see, each of these men spent countless hours, countless hours hanging with me, sharing with me, listening to me, investing in me, and praying with me. And I would not be who I am today if it weren't for men like this in my life who left a legacy. And I'm positive that I would not love Jesus like I do today. And so I say that because I want you to be thinking about this. A disciple maker is always investing in someone. Always investing in someone. And when the disciples heard Jesus say these words, when the disciples heard Jesus say, hey, I want you to go and make disciples, here's what they did. They responded with an emphatic, yes, Lord, we will go. And then they went and did it. And how do I know this? How do I know that the disciples lived up to God's great commission on their life to go and make disciples? Well, I know this because if they hadn't done it, we wouldn't be here today. If Peter and James and John and Paul didn't go, well, there wouldn't be a church today. And if someone in the generation before you hadn't shared it with you and invested in you, you probably wouldn't be here today either. And guess what? The next generation, listen to this. This is important. The next generation is counting on you to go and make more disciples of them. The 90% in Floyd County are counting on you. Just let that sink in for a minute. That the generation that is coming up, the generation that's right in front of you is accounting on you to think legacy. They're counting on you to be a disciple maker. They need a Larry Barto. They need a, a, a Sidney Brock. They need a Sean Usley in their lives. Someone who will invest in them. Someone who will equip them. Someone who will empower them to follow after Jesus. You see, church, they need, they desperately need someone like you. The sad thing is, though, is that when we hear this command today, when we hear the words, go and make disciples, our response is often something like this. Say what? Or sometimes we say something like, me? I could never do that. I'm too busy. I haven't been trained. I don't have a seminary degree. No one's ever shown me how to do this, and we make 
We make excuses. And here's the deal. When you start saying stuff like that, even now you might be saying those very words in your heart. Like when I shared and, and, and called you out to go and make disciples, to think legacy, you may have began to use those excuses. You may begin to whisper those excuses. You may begin to tell the person sitting next to you that I can't do that. But I want you to remind yourselves that when you hear excuses like that, that throughout scriptures, I want you to remember that throughout the scriptures, Jesus used ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things. You see, there was nothing special about Paul. There was nothing special about James or Peter. There was nothing special about John and all the others that spread the gospel. They were ordinary people that were just willing to be obedient to God's call in their lives to go and make disciples. You see, church, a disciple is not just someone who learns more about who God is. A disciple is someone who makes more and better disciples for Jesus. And I want you to imagine with me, imagine the impact that Warehouse Church would make if every one of us that is watching today responded to God's call on our lives to go and make disciples with a resounding yes. Imagine, imagine what it would be like if we would commit to intentionally discipling other people that if we would commit to intentionally disciple just one person each over the next year, imagine the impact that we would make if we would just say, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna disciple one person. I'm gonna think legacy with one person. I am going to pour my life. I'm gonna invest my time and my energy and my resources in one person. It's not gonna be convenient. It's not always gonna be fun. It could be messy. But I'm going to make a commitment to pour into the life of one person over the next year. Let me tell you that if we would do that, it would be the start of something amazing. It would be the beginning of seeing the 90% in Floyd County coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It would be a game changer. And it begins with you, and it begins with me. You see, it won't happen unless we say yes, not to just being a disciple of Jesus, but saying yes to becoming a disciple maker. So we're going to pursue Jesus. We're going to immerse ourselves in the word of God. We're going to get in community like we're going to show up for warehouse groups and we're going to get in community because we need, as Sean said, to know that we're not alone and we need to be with one another to encourage one another. But we're not going to stop there. We're going to hang out with non-believers. We're going to hang out with people who are far from God and we're going to think legacy. We're going to allow this idea that, that we've got to leave a legacy if the church is going to grow, and if the 90% are going to come to know Jesus. 
So as the worship team comes to worship this morning and as we get ready to pray, I want you to know this one last thing. I want you to know that if you need more clarity or if you need help with this idea of being a disciple maker, I want to help you. Like, let's grab coffee together and let's talk about what you're struggling with or how you feel about how to be a disciple maker. I want to help you so that you might reach more people for Jesus. But beyond that, the greatest thing that you can do is get into a biblical community and talk about it with others who are just like you, scared to death about being a disciple maker, unsure, nervous, frustrated. Get with others so that you might encourage one another to change the world. Go and make disciples. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity that you have given us, this command that you have put on each of our lives to not only be followers of you, but also to make more followers of you. And Father, that means that we've got to be intentional about pursuing you, Lord. God, we have got to immerse ourselves in your holy word. Father, we've got to hang out with those who are far from you. Lord, we've got to invest our lives and others. And Lord, we've got to think legacy. Lord, if it wasn't for those first followers, we wouldn't be here today. And Lord, there are people out there living in Floyd County who are depending on us to be used by you through your Holy Spirit to disciple them. So, Lord, my prayer today is this, that the people of Warehouse Church would not just be disciples, but that they would be disciple makers. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us in the many ways that you do. In your name we pray. Amen.